Support for the Eyes Free Sports podcast is brought to you by Clusive. As a blind or visually impaired athlete, you know how important training is. With Clusive, you can take training on assistive technology, occupational, and career skills all online to help you reach your employment goals. Learn more at www.clusive.io. That's www.clusive.io. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 93 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. My name is Greg Lindbergh. Here on this episode of Eyes Free Sports, our guest is a visually impaired rower and skier, and she has already accomplished many things in both of those adaptive sports. So let's go ahead now and get rolling with episode 93. So my guest here on this episode of the podcast is Pearl Outlaw, and uh, Pearl is a very accomplished uh, visually impaired rower and also a Nordic skier. Pearl, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Definitely. Yeah. And I just got to say, first off, you have a super cool name. I'm kind of <laughs> jealous. <laughs> you're, you know, you're the first person to ever tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I know you do live in Portland, Oregon, and are you originally from there? No, I have been here a little over a year, but I'm originally from uh, Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay, gotcha. Back east. Yes. And then uh, just talk to me about like your childhood and family, any siblings? Yeah, I, I have one older sister, um, and my parents and, and her as well, they, they still live in Virginia. Um, I think... I, and I always say this to people, I think I have a very fortunate situation that my parents are, well, they're awesome. And they're, they're two of my best friends. And, and I think I'm really lucky to have that relationship with them. I feel like I had a pretty normal childhood. I think mostly because I was diagnosed with my condition when I was nine. And when you're nine years old, kind of everything doctors say just kind of goes right over your head. So it really didn't register <laughs> until, right. you know, for, for a few years. Um, so, uh, but yeah, pretty, pretty normal childhood. Grew up out in the county outside of Charlottesville. So we had chickens and, and ducks and um, uh, lots of pets all the time. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Nice. All those animals. Gotta love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, I was definitely not an athletic child. I say that as well. I was, I think... Um, I remember because I was bragging about it to my friends and they were very unimpressed, but I, I couldn't even run a mile without stopping till like freshman year of high school. It was, yeah. So I was not the, the sportiest of children. Um, <laughs> and I still don't consider myself very sporty. Put me on a field with a, with a ball or something. I don't know what to do. So. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. At least you admit it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so it is RP retinitis pigmentosa right. that you do have. Yes. Gotcha. And what, uh, how has your vision kind of changed? Has it changed pretty dramatically over time? Or? For a long, long time up until high school and college, it, it was very slowly uh, decreasing, but nothing noticeable, um, nothing super impactful. I, I started using a cane in high school because it, it 
definitely started giving me trouble just seeing steps and curbs and that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I feel like everybody with RP or any progressive vision loss has this, but it's, you know, I didn't start using cane until I started uh, literally falling downstairs. <laughs> so um, yeah. I think we, we all have that same story. Um, and then it was, and with, with RP, it's, it's one of those, you don't know what you're going to get type of conditions. And, um, my vision decided to go in 2018. So like over the course of that year. So I was, I was 20, 21. Um, I was still in college and, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty suddenly it just week to week different, I'd get different spots, lose different spots in my vision. And, um, I, uh, would like my balance is really affected, which is kind of interesting. Like I bend down to get my backpack after class and just fall over. Um, mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was, that was a challenging year. And I'd, I'd say the fall of that year when it, it was the most, uh, that was the most difficult. Yeah. Just trying to do college. And at the same time, you know, one week I can see my notes and next week I can't. So that's kind of shocker. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that is interesting because I know with RP, for a lot of people, it can be pretty slow and you don't have those sudden changes. So that is interesting. And now I I pretty much call myself non-visual. I still have a good amount of light perception, which I'm very thankful for because I can I can still tell day from night and, and see you know whether it's sunny or cloudy. But um, other than that, my functional vision is, is pretty much gone. Right. Yeah. I'm probably in a similar boat and I do have LCA, uh, very similar to RP and uh, kind of at that, that same point. So we make the best of it and, you know, yeah. Um, and for me, one thing I didn't expect was when I did finally get to this point of, okay, you know, totally screen reader, you know, in, you know, adjusting to, to screen readers and, and not doing things completely non-visually. Um, it, got a lot easier once, you know, once I, I, uh, had those skills, but, um, it got a lot easier because I, I didn't realize how hard I was working, straining my eyes and zooming in on things and, and just really, really working to still see things. And, and once it finally, you know, that wasn't an option, uh, it just took a lot of stress away. And I, yeah, I did not expect that to happen. Yeah, that is a, an interesting point. Yep. And uh, so then I know you, you did mention college, and I understand you attended Ithaca College in New York, I did. right? I did. Go bombs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't yes. ask me what that mascot is. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So what did you study? What was your major there? Yeah, I studied exercise science, and I concentrated on strength and conditioning. Uh, I had the idea I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach when I went into college. Nice. Very cool. And then, uh, so just in terms of sports and athletics, uh, was it high school I had read that you kind of got into to rowing initially? Yeah. High school was when I started, started exploring different sports and I think cross country running came first and then, uh, someone at, at our morning assembly said oh hey I'm, I'm going to do this thing called rowing and it's uh twice a week at 5 45 in the morning uh does anyone want to come and i said hmm, that sounds 
interesting. Uh, so yeah, I, I got up and, you know, my mom drove me. My mom was a champ. She drove me and, um, I just, I just got hooked on it. And I, I, after I finished kind of the initial, sorry, I've got a church right next door to me. So the church bells are, are going off. Um, oh, just finished. Okay. um, after I finished the initial learn to row, uh, I got to uh, then join the junior junior summer team, which um, I did not do very well on my first day, and I was very embarrassed because everyone else was really good, and I and I was not. And uh, but I I caught up, and then I um, you know there weren't that many rowing teams in my town, so I kind of badgered uh, badgered the one of the high school coaches uh, onto. On, uh, into letting me on the team and you know asked her once no asked her twice no and just kept kept pestering and then made it onto the team so it was a lot of fun yeah persistence is, mm-hmm. is definitely key especially when you have a disability trying to get achieve your goal and then get something done and it sounds like that's exactly what you did and were you pretty much hooked you know in terms of rowing you knew this is something you wanted to pursue for a while I did, yeah. I I didn't know everything about the the Paralympics and and just para sports in general, but I knew that I wanted to do it for a long time. It was the first sport I had found that I felt like I wasn't at a disadvantage because I had tried in middle school. I played uh, played volleyball and um, then I tried lacrosse and I tried soccer. Um, and it just seemed like I always had to be thinking of workarounds or just I had I had so many more limitations, like with soccer, for example, if the sun, I was really sensitive to the sun. And so if I, you know, if I was put on the side of the field facing the sun, I couldn't see anything. Um, and it, it just felt like I had to work so hard to even begin to get good at the sport and rowing. You just sit you sit there and put the oar in the water when they tell you to, and you take it out when they tell you to. And I mean, it's, it's easy. I don't know why everyone does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great point. Mm-hmm. And as far as like adaptations, any adaptations, you know, that you've used or, you know, to be successful as a visually impaired rower. Yeah. The adaptations started in college because my vision in high school was still, still good enough that I could see, the person in front of me and see videos and that kind of stuff. But yeah, in college, I think the first thing we did was I got a I got a headlamp for morning practices. So I, I was rocking the headlamp um, so I could see the person in front of me. And um, they would put me towards the, the front of the boat so I didn't have to follow as many people because when you have, you know, we have eight-person boats that are like 60 feet long or huge. Um, so I didn't have to just visually following seven other people or six other people. It's a lot of, a lot of moving things. Um, but as my vision started to decrease and I have to give my college coach, Becky, Becky Robinson, like so many, so many praises for this because, you know, I was the first adaptive athlete that she had ever coached. And as my vision decreased, she, she really pushed me to overcome that, that lack of vision. So so she would make me you know, row behind more people and really focus on, okay, what are you feeling? What are you hearing? Um, and, and at first, you know, I was, I was like, why am I doing it? I was like, this is miserable. I don't like this. I'm not good at it. She said, just, just keep doing it. And, uh, you know, and a couple of weeks ago I raced and, and I was rowing 
uh, in the second seat. So I was following six other people and I did it, you know, it was, it was great. I was following them really well. So she is responsible for that. I think just my ability to row without seeing anything that's happening in front of me. Right. No doubt about yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've had a few other guests on this podcast, just a handful that have competed in, you know, college athletics with a visual impairment among, you know, fully sighted uh, teammates. Um, so definitely kudos to you on, on being able to do that because I know it's a rarity. Yeah. I mean, I think I picked, I lucked out with the college and, and I, I went to a division three college. So it wasn't definitely wasn't as high pressure as, um, as a division one school, but um, there was great team culture and I had great teammates that, were just so supportive of me and they're still some of my best friends and um and yeah amazing coaches with becky and and uh coach beth green as well so i think i just locked into a great supportive environment right absolutely very cool so then kind of post-college uh you know post-graduation uh talk to me about your your rowing career and just uh, your achievements i know you've competed in, in a few uh big events right yeah, um, just just a few. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's it's interesting because I started training with the paranational team while I was still in college. Um, my gotcha. freshman, yeah, my freshman summer was the first kind of my my development summer with them, and then twenty eighteen, the next year, I was I made a boat that went to world championships. Um, and it was, it was definitely tough. I think if I was going to advise, like give somebody advice, I would say if you can wait till after college, try that. You know, I definitely don't regret anything, but I think it was hard just going straight from school. I'd have maybe a week or two at home and then I'd go straight to training camp in Boston. And that's one of the reasons I'm actually taking this season off. And that's one of the reasons, um, not off of training, just kind of off of, off of tryouts and selection and all that stuff. Um, because I've, I realized I hadn't had more than maybe a couple weeks that I hadn't been kind of under that, that magnifying glass since, let's see, that'd be 2017, like six or yeah, six years. So I thought I'd, give myself a little time to have some fun and relax a little bit. And it's been great so far. Right. Right. No, I see. <laughs> and yeah. So I know you did mention, uh, was it 2018? You said the world championships. Yeah. 2018 was my first world championships. Those were in Bulgaria. Um, huh. yeah, it was really interesting. Like that's one of the great things about competing internationally is that you get to go to a lot of places you would never you would never think to visit um and yeah so that was bulgaria and then 2019 was the year that we won bronze in the double and that was pretty that was pretty crazy because for someone who can't see what's happening it's like i didn't i didn't believe it when my partner said it behind me she's like we were out third i was like no we did it and and i would not believe it until they called us over to the podium because um, yeah, you just you don't really know how it ended till, till you cross the finish line and someone tells you what happened. Right. Yeah. 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 And then I know you, yeah. you did get the bronze, you know, the bronze medal. So what, uh, what was your record or I'm not too familiar with kind of how, you know, the competitions work, but just talk to us about kind of how that, that worked, that event and getting yeah. the bronze and what that meant to you. 
Oh my goodness. I, I, I think it's one of those memories where you kind of black out because you're so happy. You're <laughs> such <laughs> like euphoria. Yeah. Um, and I was probably making a really weird face because I was trying so hard not to cry and like smile at the same time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, the way, the way rowing works is very much time based. So, uh, I, I don't even know off the top of my head, the, the time that we, that we finished, uh, but, um, Actually, I don't remember too much of that day in general. I just I just remember the the happiness and the excitement and just it was overwhelming. And where where was that tournament or that competition held? Oh yeah, that was that was in Plovdiv, Bulgaria. In Bulgaria. Yeah. No. Was, yeah. Or no, sorry, that was in I got it wrong. That was in Austria. I'm sorry, that was in Austria. Okay, 2018 yes. you said was 2018 Bulgaria. Was in, yeah, and then 2019 was in Austria. Gotcha. Wow. Yes. And then, so you said that the 2019 event was a doubles event. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, that's the, that we have for, for my classification in para rowing, we have two boats. We have a four person boat and a double, which is a two person boat. And all three years I've rowed the double. Oh, I see. And yeah. I'm definitely curious. Yeah. Just about like, you know, your partner and kind of the communication involved and, being kind of a team as to how you work together and then be successful. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because so for 2018 and 2019, I, my partner was, uh, Josh Boissano, um, and he, he retired in 2020. Um, and so for 2022, I have to keep track of the, the two years that, uh, the world championships were canceled, which was 2020 and 2021. Um, so last year, 2022, I uh, had a new partner, um, Todd Vogt, who also lives here in Portland. That's part of the reason I moved out here, so that we uh, could train in person a little bit easier. Um, and it's it's definitely interesting because it's also it is a mixed gender boat, so it's one one male and one female, um, and so that's an interesting dynamic. But um, I mean, it's a really close relationship. I think closer than you would expect because you really, I mean, you're spending hours a day together. Some days Todd and I would be up, you know, training at eight 30 in the morning and we wouldn't get done until six o'clock at night. Um, and we've seen the worst of each other. We've seen the best of each other. We've had, you know, screaming matches at each other, but we, and, you know, at the end of the day, we, I think you just have to, be okay with that because it's such a high pressure environment and you're putting your body through so much. Um, you know, I think that's another misconception that people outside of para sports have is that, I mean, Paralympi- Paralympians and para athletes, we, we put as much into it as any, um, non para athlete. Um, it really takes up our whole lives, but it's, it's definitely a close relationship and, you really know a lot about each other and you, you see each other through a lot of stuff. Right. Right. And then just talk to me a little more about when you're actually, you know, on the boat and just out on the water and, you know, any kind of communication strategies that you use or whatnot. Yeah. So definitely during just training practices, there's a lot, a lot more talking, uh, but during competitions, (laughs) during competitions, if you can imagine, like a full sprint for, for like seven and a half minutes. And you're trying to also talk at the same time. Uh, so we would, we would have abbreviations for stuff and we we really talked about, okay, what is essential for me to know and what's, what's not. So 
pretty much what we decided on in for racing was just meter markers because there are meter markers like every 500 meters um <laughs> and so he would you know we'd say five ten um i forget what we said 1500 which is kind of where you start to black out a little bit uh was probably just <laughs> some some gargled like not words <laughs> um, uh yeah but i i have been because it is it is challenging for me to not have the data because when we're racing there's there's a, a device in the boat that says our stroke you know how many strokes we're taking per minute what our our uh speed is and usually that person the person that has it isn't also steering the boat so todd was steering the boat trying to keep us from hitting the lane markers because that'll really slow you down and reading all this data which normally is that's two separate jobs not not one job um so and at the moment there's no audible stroke coach is what they're called so and i've i've been trying to figure out how to do that because i think it would make racing a lot easier because um, I do think the, the boats with the visually impaired athletes, one of one of the athletes is working, having to work a lot harder than than the other one. Um, right. Which, yeah. So, um, something I've been trying to brainstorm. So, if anyone listening has any, <laughs> has any ideas, <laughs> let me know. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, luckily, I, I have to give Concept Two a shout out. They make you know you've probably seen their run machines and gyms and, and they, they make uh, ski ergs as well, but they have an app that I can connect to my rowing machine screen that does give me audible cues. So it has just leveled up my workouts and makes training so much easier. So they just need to make a version that's waterproof and then I'll I can take it out there with me. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, so just to clarify, so your rowing partners are fully sighted. Um, yes. So they're, Yes, they, so Todd has Parkinson's, and Josh had an autoimmune disorder that I forget the acronym for, um, but he, in a nutshell, um, had very limited feeling and fine motor function from his knees down and his elbows down. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. So definitely quite a variety of disabilities and, and yes. challenges. And then, uh, so then 2022, you said you did compete in a tournament? Yes, yeah, 2022, uh, that was when Todd and I went to World Championships in the Czech Republic. Oh, wow, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you guys do in that, that race? Um, we, came, we came in fifth, uh, which was a little, it was a little hard. It was a little hard to, to take in, I think, because we did really well earlier in the season. We raced in Italy at um, what's called the International Para Rowing Regatta. It's a little, uh, it's not a World Cup, but it's another para regatta where a lot of countries come together. It's a lot of fun. Um, but we did really well there. And then I think we may have just worked ourselves a little too hard. And then when we showed up at Worlds, we were a little, um, we just didn't didn't have it that day because we even had, had um, had faster speeds in some of our training workouts. Um, so it was just a little bit, it was one of those things you kind of just have to say, oh, okay, it's, it sucks. <laughs> like we came into this with a lot of confidence and uh, did not get the result that we thought we would get. Um, but, uh, you know, there's nothing to it but to kind of move forward and just keep, you know, put your head down and keep working. Sure, sure. 
which is easier said than done, a hundred percent. Oh yeah, no question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so this year, any any races this year? Or what's kind of the your current state, and then looking ahead and rowing? Yeah. So uh, the only I've done some casual races with with a club here called Station L. They're they're a bigger. Uh, masters club so i've just been going out with them to just have some a, a more team atmosphere and, and just have some fun um so i've done some racing with them but my kind of big plan is i want to race at the head of the charles in the champ single and then after that i am planning on racing in gold cup which is a uh is a another singles race um and that is exciting because because you're probably like, how oh, she's blind, how oh, she can afford a single, what? Um, <laughs> but uh, so there's a guy named Bob Berry who has a, um, a device that he can steer a single from, like, remotely. Um, and so the head of the Charles is notoriously uh, windy and has some of the, the most challenging turns in it of, of any course. Um, and he's going to be in a boat behind me, steering me through the course as I race, um, which is amazing. It'll be the first time that's been done at Heather Charles. Um, hmm. And last, yeah, last year at the Gold Cup was the first time it had been used in a U.S. rowing event. So, um, yeah, that's the goal. And it's pretty, pretty exciting. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And when does that take place? Um, that will be, I think second the last or second the last weekend of october okay wow yeah. and where where is that held uh boston gotcha yeah wow. hey that sounds super cool i might have to have him on that podcast too to oh yeah and on the podcast to talk about it <laughs> he i have to i have to give him so much love because he also um it, he he's gifted me a single that is actually here in portland i haven't wrote it yet but it is it is here uh somewhere and it'll, it will uh, get to me eventually um but he is just like the most generous guy and he just this device is a game changer because while a lot of rowers can you know, get in their single um and and kind of zone out and really get into the moment and really get into their training um if i'm rowing a boat by myself it's you know every 10 strokes or a megaphone someone yelling at me which direction I need to steer. So um, it's pretty cool to just, and you know, when you're racing, like that's the last thing you need is, you know, it just breaks your focus and it kind of, it takes away from it. So the fact that I could race and just be like completely in the moment and in the zone is, is incredible. So I'm very, very excited. Right. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. And Hey, best of luck in that event and <laughs> just congrats on your, your achievements, you know, thus far in rowing. And I know there's a lot more to come here for you. Yeah. Yeah. So let's transition on to, uh, to skiing. So I know that recently you've gotten into some winter sports, uh, both yes. skiing and the biathlon, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and on the parasite, it's all together on the, on the non-parasite, it's, uh, two separate sports but on para they, they just throw us into everything so um yep. yeah it's been an adventure <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah so how did you how were you kind of introduced to winter sports and and skiing how'd you get into it 
Yeah. Um, in so in twenty nineteen, winter of twenty. Yes. Yes. When? Sorry. Yeah. Winter of twenty nineteen. Um, I was in Boston, and it was kind of similar to rowing. Someone just said, "Hey, there's this ski trip for people who are blind, and they they'll guide you around. And uh, do you want to go?" And I said, "That sounds like a hooch. I sure will." Um, <laughs> and uh, I had never even looked at a pair of skis in my entire life. I've never been downhill skiing. Uh, never never gotten close to anything like that so i had no idea what i was doing um and uh people who ski will laugh at this because i showed up uh nordic skiers are very they're very uh like streamlined they they wear a lot of leggings and, and uh not a whole lot of clothing and i showed up to my first ski trip in like a full-on snowsuit um complete with like snow pants and like 30 layers and it was it was pretty funny i laugh about it now but um uh, way too many clips um and uh yeah i mean it was it was a really fun trip it was with a group called new england ski for light and um they took us up to new hampshire for three days and just kind of showed us the basics of of cross-country skiing um and then it was on another trip a year later up in Craftsbury, Vermont, that one of my guides just casually threw out, no, oh, if you practice, you, you could do some racing. And I said, oh, okay, sure, whatever, and just let it go. Um, and then another, another year later, uh, I was writing a paper in school about downhill skiers, and I said, hmm, I'm going to send the head coach of the U.S. Paranordic team an email and, that, and that's what I did. I said, hey, I'm a rower, and I tried skiing. I kind of liked it. Um, what do you think about that? <laughs> um, and that, that kind of started the ball rolling. And now I'm here, and I can't believe it. just finished my first full season of racing and got a few national championships under my, under my belt. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. So you never really, you know, quote unquote, envision yourself on the slopes thinking back. Absolutely not. <laughs> I did not, I did not see it coming. Yeah. I, um, yeah. And, and let alone biathlon, like, I, yeah, it's, that's a whole nother, like, what, what even is that? Um, but it's, it's so much fun. And I think it's a really good balance for rowing because it's, I mean, you get the adrenaline, you get to go fast. Um, I think people don't don't uh, always associate cross country skiers with going fast. It's still a little surreal for me because I did not did not think it would go this far at all. Right, life kind of takes us in different directions at times, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, any guides, any you know teammates, partners that you've had on the slopes that you'd like to mention? Oh yeah, oh, so many. Um, well, I have to. I have to mention Jen Forbes and all the athletes up at uh, the Craftsbury Outdoor Center. Um, they're up in Vermont, and that was where I did my first um, like kind of long-term training trip. I spent three weeks up there, and um, they have they have uh, Nordic skiers and uh, rowers training up there. So the the all the rowers kind of volunteered to guide me and Jen Forbes in particular it was we were we were both learning together it was I was still new at skiing and, and she was new at guiding and um we learned a lot together but it was it was fabulous and um let's see in man I think I've, I've had a lot of 
a lot of guides. So I think this winter I had a list of like seven or eight guides that I would kind of cycle through. But um, Tanya Kari, she's a Paralympian from 2002. I got to work with her and she was amazing. I loved skiing with her. Um, and I think just all the athletes, I mean, you, like just the sit skiers and the rowers too, just all the athletes are so impressive and there's too many names. You just meet, you meet so many people and they're all incredible. So. Right. Right. And I'm also curious, uh, you know, comparing rowing with a partner versus skiing with a guide, are there some similarities mm. there in terms of that relationship and communication? Um, yeah, it's very similar to rowing. It's very individualized. You kind of decide there's, there's no language handbook of, um, you know, cause you're, you're skiing, um, the guy is skiing in front of someone that sometimes can't see anything in, in my situation, but, um, you know, how do you communicate to them that there's a huge hill coming up or, um, you know, a tree or something like that. Um, but yeah, so, so, uh, you kind of have to decide what is essential information and what's not, um, like for example, this is actually really funny. Um, my ski guide at biathlon nationals when we got done racing he said oh my goodness i thought you were gonna hit that post and you and you were like two inches from hitting it and you didn't and i thought i needed to say something but i didn't so i had no idea that i was within an inch of <laughs> colliding at full speed with this wooden post um mm -hmm. you know which probably in the moment if he had said something i would have you know veered off too far so um yeah, and you kind of get a rhythm down. I mean, the more you ski a, a course, the the less you have to say and the more efficient you can become. And then you you practice. Everything's about practice just over and over. Like, how are we going to enter the range? How am I going to show you where your rifle is? Um, how are we going to approach this hill? So it's a little more – there's a little more conversation and detail involved compared to rowing because it's pretty much well we're going to start at this end of the course and row in a straight line until we get to that end of the course um but uh yeah skiing is very much you know the first time you're you see a course you might stop at every every kind of bit of it and say okay this here's what this downhill does it's got a sharp turn and then it goes straight into a climb you know how do we want to do this but it's definitely still teamwork the guide is just um you know, the guy's working really hard too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. And then in terms of the biathlon, uh, really curious about, uh, is it like an audio rifle that you guys use? Yes. Yeah. It's, um, an audio rifle and it is a camera, I believe, but it was explained, uh, that was how it was explained to me how it worked. Um, so it's a camera and the targets are, uh, electronic as well so you, you can turn them on and off and everything's connected with cables um and i i would say i mean i've never shot a 22 rifle uh that they, the non-para um non-visually impaired athletes shoot but um it's the audio rifle is pretty challenging it is hmm. yeah you're you're aiming at something that's 20 yards away that's about two little over two centimeters in diameter and you have to hit that thing just in the right spot or else you know, they don't count if you hit the edge of it or you're a millimeter out of it they don't count that so um wow yeah um and that's a whole you know um kind of 
mental game of because you know every every shot that you miss you either have to ski a penalty lap or you get time added to your um added to your clock so that's one thing we practice is how you take a shot and then just think about one shot at a time whether it's a miss or a hit you just right right yeah i have played uh, audio darts i don't know if you've ever tried with the talking dartboard but i'm sure oh, this... I have not. oh my goodness <laughs> but this yeah this definitely sounds much more you got to be much more precise and you know like you said it's it's such a small little target that you have to aim mm-hmm. for yeah and uh, there's some races right like at biathlon nationals i did a 10k so that was five two kilometer laps and in between each one was five shots you're taking 20 shots um Hmm. and uh that was not one of my better shooting days i'm still i mean there's some i've watched some skiers and they are so good at shooting that's that's my goal um so you can win or lose a race based on your shooting and and uh um i have yet to have a clean a clean shot which is where you get all five um but uh that was not one of my better shooting days so uh i think i ended up skiing like two kilometers extra in penalty laps <laughs> i finished darn it yeah <laughs> what would you say your your goals in skiing are um definitely to i mean i would love to go to the paralympics i'd love to um that's my my kind of four to eight year goal i would love to go to the paralympics um kind of shorter term is um, just to make make the development team. Right now I'm, I'm in the pipeline, but I haven't quite, quite made it to that level. Um, but um, kind of just taking it one day at a time and trying to think about, you know, I can't ski right now because it's, well, I can't see, but I don't think there's snow on the ground. Um, <laughs> but uh, just practicing the little things like, we do a lot of balance work and um, the, the shooting practice and the target practice and even just trigger practice. Um, so doing those mundane things that, you know, you're kind of, you don't know how they're going to pay off, but I know that when I get back on skis, um, it'll make a huge difference. Right. For sure. And uh, have you had the chance to try any other sports for the blind? Uh, let's see, I have not i have tried goal ball like years and years ago i tried goal ball and there was something about about being on the floor that i was i don't think this is for me um but I did, oh and i've done i've done uh, running like that you know running with a guide i uh i had a running group in boston that i really loved um achilles international they're they're great um oh cool yep. but I, I liked that yeah that was um just a really great group Nice. Any other sports you'd like to try? Be baseball or? Hmm. I would. I would really <laughs> like to try um, adaptive surfing. Because hmm. when I was sighted, I was not good at surfing, and I wonder if I do it adapt. If I'll get any any better at it. My dad surfs, so I would. I would love to be able to go out with him. Um, and then I did actually. I was talking to a teammate of mine who does a lot of horseback riding and I, I used to do a lot of horseback riding and didn't mention that um, when I was sighted um, and actually this past year on my birthday I wanted to get back on a horse and I, I went to um, a farm in Virginia that's run by a blind man 
and uh, he trains horses and I got to get on a horse for the first time since I lost my vision, which was really, really, really cool. Um, wow. But she, yeah, she found a woman here in, uh, I think she's about 20 minutes it, just in uh, Washington State who has worked with visually impaired riders. So I think I'm going to give her a call and go do that. Nice. Sounds like a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, then I actually, I recently, uh, I had to stop because it was actually making me too tired to do my rowing workouts, but I uh, tried CrossFit for about a month when I first got back to Portland. Oh yeah. I've heard that's pretty yeah. intense. <laughs> yeah. And they do, they do have para CrossFit. One of my friends, uh, Molly Moore is very, very, she's very, very accomplished in para CrossFit. Um, it was really fun. It was kind of a challenge because I walked in and we we did have to make some adaptations to um not a ton but just a few little tweaks here and there and then i was i was totally able to do do the workouts as um just as anybody else would do so that was just a really fun experience and i think the i um i think i picked the right i kind of just walked into the right gym that's right down the street here and they they were really really great oh nice that's awesome yeah, because you never know with, you know, gyms and fitness centers, yeah. how willing they are to help. So Yeah, I think some people you walk in and you're, you're, I was having this conversation with someone the other day, you walk in and it's, you know, hey, I'm blind, can you, you want to help me lift weights? And, and they kind of, they have the, I don't really know what to do with you kind of <laughs> right. reaction. Just that, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. These, these guys definitely cool. did not give me any slack. They did not uh, go easy on me. They, yeah. Yeah. Yep. They gave you the heavy ones right away, probably. Oh, yeah. They, they threw me in right away. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I'll definitely go back when I'm in my kind of off-season when I can kind of just do, um, do a little bit, have a little bit more flexibility in my training because it was a lot of fun. Sure, sure. So just a couple other quick things here before we wrap up. Um, so as far as career achievements, goals, anything you want to mention in terms of career? Uh, um, athletic career or just general career? Yeah, general career. General career? In right. general, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, and I say this all the time, I definitely see myself continuing with my athletic career for as long as I can, like probably till I'm 50, um, or longer, I'll just pick up and I'll just find another sport that's low impact. And I'll just keep doing it. Um, but as far as career career, uh, I am actually in the process of doing the athlete reskilling program with Salesforce. Um, I found out about it in a team USA newsletter. We get these emails, um, and they're, they're really handy because they have, they have sometimes grant information um, and they had this and I had no idea what Salesforce was, um, had, had literally no idea. Um, and it's, it's been pretty cool. Like I have a mentor, it's an eight week program and they're teaching you all about um, the Salesforce platform and the different roles they have. Um, it is still kind of hard to explain exactly what they do because I feel like they do a little bit of everything, but um, right. I'm going to continue with them. Um, I'm going to continue with them. Uh, and my mentor said he would continue with me and I'll um, kind of get some certifications. And uh, I see myself 
applying for a job there. That's that's the plan. Nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm somewhat familiar with Salesforce, uh, having worked in marketing. Mm-hmm. I know it's definitely a big tool. You know, a lot of big companies out there use. Uh, you know, just in terms of, of client uh, management systems and whatnot. So then that's really interesting that you said it was through Team USA, you know, through athletics that yeah. you got connected to that. Yeah, they, it's, they have a lot of resources. The USOC, USOPC, they have a lot of resources that um, are free because it's basically free and then they have, um, they help with certifications as well. Um, but I have been really impressed with how they're, so I was a little apprehensive, like any kind of online training, the first question is always like, oh man, how accessible is this going to be? Am I going to want to do this? And then I get on the site and it's, you know, eh, uh, kind of hit yeah. a roadblock. Um, but I've been really, really impressed so far. Um, and they even have, for some of the the units, um, special screen reader specific instructions, which, uh, so it, it tells me that they're really, they're not just talking the talk with accessibility, they're really putting the effort in. Um, so that's really exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing that. And then I uh, am taking classes with the Oregon Commission for the Blind, um, just general JAWS classes. I have been a voiceover user for a long, long time. Um, and it definitely can't can't do everything. So I finally uh, took the plunge to learn JAWS. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, again, wish you a lot of luck, you know, with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> In terms of Salesforce and technology and everything, it sounds like uh, it's going to lead to something good. Yeah, and I, I think I figured out this year that I, just being an athlete outside of my work time, I don't think I want to do something with athletes during my work time. And I, I really enjoy the kind of math analysis um, part of Salesforce. So I'm that's I think that'll be good for me because I'm definitely a little burnt out of talking sports by the end of the day. So. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Kind of a nice balance there with the two yeah. very different uh, areas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, any other hobbies, any other interests that you have that you'd like to mention? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let's, let's see. Uh, well, I, I play guitar um, and I, oh, cool. I, if you follow me on Instagram, I post songs from time to time. I have not, I need to, I have a few, that I need to put up. Um, I have not in a, in a very long time, but I do um, enjoy writing some music on the guitar. And um, what else? Just uh, I've been playing around with some baking recently. Um, some very like hmm. stereotypical athlete baking, like protein muffins, or you know. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's another one, and. and I, I think other than that, I lead a very boring life outside of sports. You know, people ask me what I do, and I'm like, well, I sleep a lot, I eat a lot, um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I read from time to time, uh, but I'm actually, I, I'm reading Outlander right now. I just started it, and I'm excited to get into it. Um, oh, nice. Yep. Yeah. But so my social life at the moment is, is you know, go over to a friend's house and watch Jeopardy and pet, pet their dog. So <laughs> not very exciting. <laughs> right. Hey, I'm a game show nerd myself. So go Jeopardy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know you did mention Instagram. If you want to mention your handle and any other social media or how people can find you online. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So my Instagram is uh, just at Pearl underscore outlaw. And that's P-E-A-R-L underscore O-U-T-L-A-W. Um, and I, that's about all I do. I, um, I don't have a Twitter or a TikTok or a Snapchat. Um, I do Instagram mostly. And uh, I like to keep a balance of serious sporty posts and, and more silly posts. So you get a, get, get a good mix um yeah and yeah and if if you want to reach out to me by email i'm always open to chat or facebook messenger that's how greg got in touch with me but i'm always open to chat with people and if they want more information about what i do or any being blind anything like that always always down (laughs) awesome awesome love your attitude very upbeat (laughs) positive (laughs) well i think it's I, I'm having a really good year this year, and I've, I have not the past couple years, um, I, but I'm really enjoying just what I'm doing right now. So I think I'm uh, I'm emulating that out into the universe. I'm just having having a really good year, and I'm really excited. So <laughs> nice, nice. I can hear it in your voice. <laughs> Awesome. Well, again, our guest on this episode has been Pearl Outlaw. And uh, Pearl, really appreciate the time. This was a super fun conversation. And you've just done so many cool things, you know, athletically and, and everything in your life. So really appreciate your willingness to share. And thanks for being a guest here on Eyes Free Sports. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. Great. To hear more episodes of the Eyes Free Sports podcast and to subscribe, search for Eyes Free Sports on your favorite podcast platform or visit eyesfreesports.com. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports.